the expanding field for mayor of New York City. I'm Jared Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And our next guest is another candidate for mayor of New York City. He is Carlos Menchaca. He is a city council member uh, and a Democrat who since 2014 has represented parts of Brooklyn, including Sunset Park and Red Hook. And he joins us now. Council member, welcome to WBAI. Hey, Jared. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for coming on. And let's get right to it. Why are you running for mayor? Well, before I, I say that, I just want to say thanks to Zach. I caught a little bit of his uh, uh, piece and just saying thank you to him and all the veterans that have served or are serving right now. My my brother is a vet from the Army, uh, and it's just something that the family, the entire family feels. So thank you to all the veterans out there. And, yeah, let's just jump right into it. I'm running for mayor because I, for the last seven years as a council member, have seen how an administration has become such an impediment and hurdle to the will of the people. I've been a council member for Sunset Park. I've been on this show talking about a lot of the things that are happening in Sunset Park, whether it's about industry city or immigration and the work that the city can do to continue to protect our our New Yorkers, the New Yorkers that are the backbone of this city. They're the ones that are creating the new economy of the city, as we have seen with the incredible job loss, the jobs that are still running and the workers who are working are immigrants. That's the history of the city. And I have become incredibly embedded in that community and learned about that power. And because of that, I feel like this is one of those things that has to be front and center uh, in in this conversation. And that's what I'm going to bring, including all these other ideas that we can talk about. But for me, I feel like this is this is what's going to be something that sets me apart and can really generate some creative ideas for the city and this next chapter of the city. So as you mentioned, you're entering or I should say you're coming to the end of your seventh year in the council of the the eight year that you will serve. Uh, What would you say is your biggest accomplishment as a member of the council? The biggest accomplishment, well, I, I would say that the, the biggest accomplishment really came out of crafting, this is through the legislative power of the city council, the IDNYC program. That taught me about every kind of corner of New York City agency role and responsibility. We sat with the NYPD to ensure that they were going to take the card as valid. Uh, we negotiated with them about how they were going to take data. Uh, from this card. They wanted to keep data forever. And we said uh, we wanted to keep data never uh, and not at all. And so we we were negotiating something that was now incredibly instrumental for people. And it becomes a key to the city. IDNYC, if you, if you have one in your pocket right now, is something that the council made happen uh, and the mayor's office executed. But this was an idea that came from the people. And I feel like this is an example of people power, an idea that came from our communities that would have transformed their lives and the city responded. And I think that's what we need more of. Let's talk about that for a second, because it's, it's an interesting case. It was a, a plan, as you said, came from the council. The mayor uh, did get on board and it obviously came to fruition uh, under in the in the early parts of the de Blasio administration, which also was the latter part of the Obama administration. And then Trump was elected. And suddenly those records associated with IDNYC became 
a source of a lot of anxiety, uh, lawsuits by people who wanted to preserve them, the threat that it might be seized by the feds as a roadmap to who to seize if they wanted to round up people who were here without documents. That fear seems to have passed for the moment. But do you feel like the card for all its benefits was worth the risk that it ended up exposing some folks to? Well, let's let's. I want to uh, uh, confront some of the assumptions that you kind of laid out there. I think that there's there's still even with the Biden administration and in transition from Obama to Trump, there there there's always been a distrust of government, federal, state, and city. And true, immigrants true. Are at the crosshairs of this of this uh, incongruity of support for for immigrants. We don't have immigration reform, and because of that, the cities are are constantly trying to figure out how to do their best without the federal support, without the federal immigration reform uh, to protect people, families. Uh, this is why you've seen separation of families, not just in Trump, but during Obama. And those are things that we've, we felt here in the city for a long time. And so I think, I think that the, the best way that I can, I can offer her is absolutely it is, it is critical to how a city functions. And when I think about other cities, and I, I was able to, in the last seven years, really travel to other cities and export a lot of the uh, ideas that we've been crafting, but also import a lot of the ideas. Um, and one of those ideas that, that really was born here was a public defense system for immigrants as they find themselves in a deportation proceeding that the city of New York would take care um, of their legal needs. And that's something that, that taxpayers in the city, which include immigrants, uh, are are uh, supporting, and so this this system now is is being installed in other cities. And what we're trying to do is say, hey, federal government, you can take this on. So the power of the city is really really important. In this longer term conversation about national politics, national reform, but this is why this city, New York, is so important for those conversations because we can do it. We have the resources and we have the the, the rationale to protect these immigrants who are starting businesses. We have a law right now that we haven't passed and hopefully we'll get there. We think we have the support of the administration to expand the number of permits for street vendors. In a time of COVID, this is something we've been working on for years now, but in a time of COVID when we are all outside, vendors become the safe place to do business. And why this administration has not jumped on this and supported this in a, a very vociferous and real way um, is beyond me. And this is why there is a massive disconnect from people who want to be legal businesses on the streets uh, are not getting any attention from this administration. That's going to change when I become mayor. Talk about, I know I want to talk more about your own candidacy and your own ideas for the mayoralty, but talk about the current mayor and your relationship with him. Um, you came into office together in the sense that you started as councilman when he started as mayor. And I would think, I think at the beginning, it, it stands to reason that you would have been seen as kind of birds of a feather to progressives, um, part of this wave that swept into city office uh, in that year of 2013. But you've been identified as a critic of the mayor uh, really from fairly early on. Why is that? Talk about that relationship. Talk about how it's evolved. Well, I think that what, what I want to, remind everyone that was around in 20, 
2013 and voted in 2013 is that they heard the progressive speak uh, from from many of us that came into the council and and including the mayor and i think what you saw very quickly what i saw very quickly was a, a real um division between the things that he said and the things that he was beginning to do and that showed up really strong with an agency called economic development corporation and if anyone is listening right now and has engaged the edc in their neighborhood they've seen a massive um uh departure from the kind of things that the community has been wanting in different parts of the city. In Sunset Park, we never really had attention given to to Sunset Park to be part of the development projects. And this came to a head at the South Brooklyn Marine Terminal, where they were wanting to uh, do a simple move of essentially contracting um, uh, leadership from one agency, SBS, to EDC. My main point here is that the community wanted to be involved in the creation of that RFP, the request for proposals for what was going to come. And the mayor wasn't having it. And so we said no. We had had the power at that point to to say no to his his first um first version of this contract and we said no and it had never really happened before and so to your point i became very very clearly in opposition to his agency what we ended up getting was a reformed edc they quickly placed the 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 personnel that we needed to focus on industry uh, on the on the sunset park conversation as we were preparing for industry city as they were kind of revealing their their big luxury mall project so we were already preparing for what we needed as far as support from the city that we never, we weren't getting and that we were demanding. So when the race gets to uh, a later stage, the New York City Campaign Finance Board will put out a voter's guide that will identify all the candidates very briefly uh, and succinctly. And in that, you'll have to articulate kind of your three top goals, the top three things that you will want to do when you're mayor, what would you say those would be? Three things is um, I would have to begin with restructuring the economic engine for the city of New York that really put community first. Uh, and this is where I'll talk a little bit about uh, the immigrant engine that that uh, I think is, is incredible. That's already um, part of what we're talking about. The second part is really solving this police issue, public safety, and really reimagining that, uh, not just for a police department, but for communities that want safety. And so I think very soon you're going to hear me talk a little bit about what I think the council can do, not in 2022, but now, uh, in, at the end of 2020 and 2021. Um, so public safety. And the last, I want to see, I want to talk a little bit about a, a kind of social security uh, list of list of ideas that include universal basic income. That's something that the national elections were talking about. But I think we can do here in New York now uh, and really build something that can be put into the budget just in months that are on their way uh, for the next budget negotiations. And so I'll be presenting that to the city council as a budget negotiation team member uh, and really asking communities to come out and say, hey, would you want to support this? Uh, maybe we can do a pilot. But these are ways that we're going to really confront the things that have just not been happening. So those are those are the three things that I think are going to be important. 
Good three. So uh, we mentioned before, it's, a, it's an incre- increasingly crowded and diverse uh, field for the Democratic nomination for mayor. Uh, it's grown since you announced your interest. Um, you have a pioneering black uh, financier. You have a former NYPD captain, a nonprofit exec, a one-time federal cabinet secretary, uh, people of a lot of different uh, ideological stripes. You just heard a former Marine talk about his candidacy. What is the unique kind of lens or experience that Carlos Menchaca brings to that field? How are you different from Maya Wiley or Catherine Garcia or anyone else whose hat is in the ring? So, Jared, my the thing that that is going to differentiate me from any one of these other candidates is that I'm going to be able to go all the way. And by that, I mean, is that there's going to be a lot of progressive ideas. In fact, I'm going to be looking to other campaigns to see what is good, especially if communities are responding well to them. There's no reason why we can't share ideas. Uh, we are in a ranked choice uh, voting in this election period. It's going to be new. People are, are confused about it, but I think it's going to be possible for us to kind of share ideas. I will be the only one that I will be the only one to confront the systems that have stopped us in our tracks before. And as council member, I've seen that happen, whether it's police uh, and the unions or developers. I have seen the pressure and people buckle. I will not. I voted no for the four new jails that are on their way with a nine plus billion dollar price tag. I was leading the defund movement within the city council because I thought it was important that we remove such an excessive amount of money from a police force and not moved it and not move it to communities that were impacted by COVID. Those things are going to rise again and I will go all the way. So there's going to be a lot of beautiful ideas and I hope that we can all share them and embrace them and really build a people's budget, a people's policy uh, uh, and policy demands. But I will be the one that can actually carry it all the way and confront anyone that gets in our way. Your critique of the mayor is largely about it, and this is shared by many people, about his policies, the veracity of his commitment to progressive principles. But there's obviously another critique, and it's certainly grown in volume over the course of his mayoralty, which is about his abilities or lack thereof as a manager. It is thought that because of those evident deficiencies, the next mayor and the candidates hoping to be the next mayor are going to be under a lot of scrutiny for their uh, management credentials, their ability to handle not just the ideas of running the city, but the day-to-day operations of the massive bureaucracy that is New York City government. Um, you come in as uh, a council member with uh, obviously a fairly small staff. Um, what will you say to people who wonder about your abilities as a manager of that kind of massive animal? So I think that what what has been clear as we look at the last few mayors is that you can kind of look at a Bloomberg and a de Blasio and say, oh, one had better management. But I think what we're failing to understand is that this is not just about management. Uh, this is this is really about leadership. This is about a person that can actually set the tone and the values for a group of people that I am going to hire people that I'm going to bring into administration that are going to lead these agencies under the leadership uh, that is set by the values. That That is the kind of mayor that we're going to need right now to really kind of build that out. So management will come from in service to 
the values that, that I speak to, the track record that I've had in fighting for communities, and ensuring that each of these agencies changes their tone and their relationship with communities so they can solve problems immediately based on community uh, response and need. That, that's what the city is here and what it's about. Um, yeah, this mayor was a terrible manager, but he also had a terrible vision. And so this is, this is what we're actually asking about uh, in this race, but also for, for the future of the city. And it's not just going to be the mayor. This is going to be a, a, a conversation about city council leadership as well. Um, and that is what's we're, we're in massive failure right now as a city council. And I hope that we can get ourselves together and really focus on being the voice of the people. And I'm really excited about all the, the candidates that are out there right now. I'm meeting them one at, one at a time. Um, we came together during the industry city uh, debate that happened after three council members my colleagues who came out and were in support of Industry City. And I brought together uh, over 45 candidates, and I gave them the briefing that I gave to the council members. And I told them, this is this is an important thing to talk about um, as future leaders. And so this is not just about the mayor. This is about the council coming in. And I think this is going to be a beautiful flip um, that's going to be oriented in in the in the city in the way that the city is asking for you're, you're seeing hundreds and, and hundreds and thousands of people marching the streets they want change and they're going to want someone with the courage to stand up and make that happen so you mentioned industry city and in the, the few minutes we have left let's talk about that i won't say that industry city is what put you on the map because obviously you were already on max and murphy so you must have been famous even before that uh but uh, obviously it, it was a significant story in the year that had you in the headlines before you declared your intention to seek the mayoralty and i don't want to relitig- relitigate the debate over that i think obviously the job claims were wildly inflated and other concerns were very legit uh but the question is kind of what now what now for that neighborhood. Uh, obviously, there's been talk among activists there about creating a green, resilient industri- industrial district. Is that realistic? Will that come to fruition? And speaking more broadly, if you win the mayoralty, you'll be on the other side of these questions about citywide vision versus community desires. What will you do to the planning system so that if someone comes and opposes, say, a homeless shelter in their neighborhood, um, they don't come at you with the logic that that is the same spirit that rejected Industry City. So what is in the future for Sunset Park? And what do you see as the future for this debate about how the cities should be planned? Well, I have a couple of responses to that. One is that you're already starting to see the shift in tone from the development world, the private developers. They're already beginning to see power shifting to communities, and they're talking about that. But the unions are also talking about that, that their alliance is now going to shift over to the communities, and they're going to want to begin building relationship with community. All of that is going to orient community and uh, the kind of building uh, and construction energy so that we, we develop appropriate uh, development plans. That's going to require us to rethink ULERP, rethink city planning. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to really, uh, devote time to find the best folks that can really rethink how, how development happens uh, so that we have more of a comprehensive 
review about how the city is going to grow as we think about climate change. And that has to be the core message here. Climate change is actually our way through and building the next economy um, and addressing climate change. And so there's that kind of category. It's already happening, and it's not necessarily in the press, but it's happening in conversations that I'm having with people uh, in unions, development, and in the community. The second thing is just look at what's happening now. Uh, This week, tomorrow, actually, Thursday, there's going to be a public hearing about a new development, really the next next ULER, a private development on 4th Avenue and 25th Street with an MIH plan. We're going to see what the developers have to say, but people are already talking about it as a luxury housing plan that the community doesn't want. So they're going to be heard. Just down the street, two projects that I supported were 100% affordable. And yes, they were nonprofit developers, but it's the model that people want. People want 100% affordable forever. What's preventing us from doing that? funding. I want to think about how the city can actually put capital funds so that even with private developers, we can bring down the, um, the, the kind of affordability opportunities for many people in the community, but may, many people across this entire city should be able to access. And so I want to think about housing in a big way, and maybe we can come back on the show and talk a little bit about what that will look like. I hope so. Well, for now, though, uh, Democratic Brooklyn City Council member and candidate for mayor, Carlos Menchaca. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.